the acceptable sacrifice or the excellency of a broken heart by John Bunyan. Because these shield and fence the heart from all gospel doctrine and from all legal punishments, nothing can come at it till these are removed. The heart is said to be circumcised. That is, this foreskin is taken away, and this coat of mail is spoiled. I will circumcise thy heart, saith he, to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and then the devil's goods are spoiled, that thou mayest live. Deuteronomy 36. Luke eleven twenty two, And now the heart lies open. Now the word will prick, cut, and pierce it. And it being cut, pricked, and pierced, it bleeds, it faints, it falls and dies at the foot of God unless it is supported by the grace of and love of God in Jesus Christ. Conversion, you know, begins at the heart. But if the heart be so secured by sin and Satan, as I have said, all judgments are, while that is so, in vain. Hence Moses, after he had made a long relation of mercy and judgment unto the children of Israel, suggests that yet the great thing was wanting to them, and that thing was an heart to perceive, and eyes to see, and ears to hear unto that day. Deuteronomy 29, 2 and 3. Their hearts were as yet not touched to the quick, were not awakened and wounded by the holy word of God and made tremble, at its truth and terror. But I say, before the heart be touched, pricked, made smart, and so forth, how can it be thought, be the danger never so great, that it should repent, cry, bow, and break at the foot of God, and supplicate there for mercy? And yet thus it must do, for thus God has ordained, and thus God has appointed it, nor can men be saved without it. But I say, can a man spiritually dead, a stupid man whose heart is past feeling, do this before he has his dead and stupid heart awakened, to see and feel its state and misery without it? But, second, man take him as he comes into the world, and how wise soever he is in worldly and temporal things. He is yet a fool as to that which is spiritual and heavenly. Hence Paul says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, because he is indeed a fool to them. Neither, says the text, can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians 2.14 but how now must this fool be made wise? Why, wisdom must be put into his heart. 
Job 38, verse 36. Now none can put it there but God. And how doth he put it there? But by making room there for it, by taking away the thing which hinders, which is that folly and madness which naturally dwelleth there. But how doth he take that away but by severe chastising of his soul for it, until he has made him weary of it. The whip and stripes are provided for the natural fool, and so it is for him that is spiritually so. Proverbs 19, verse 29. Solomon intimates that it is a hard thing to make a fool become wise. Though thou shouldest bray a fool in a mortar among wheat with a pestle, yet will not his foolishness depart from him. Proverbs 27, verse 22. By this it appears that it is a hard thing to make a fool a wise man. To bray one in a mortar is a dreadful thing. To bray one there with a pestle, and yet it seems a whip, a mortar, and a pestle is the way. And if this is the way to make one wise in this world, and if all this will hardly do, how must the fool that is so in spirituals be whipped and beaten and stripped before he is made wise therein? Yea, his heart must be put into God's mortar, and must be beaten. Yea, braid there with the pestle of the law, before it loves to hearken unto heavenly things. It is a great word in Jeremiah, through deceit, that is, folly. They refuse to know me, saith the Lord, and what follows? Why, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will melt them, and try them, that is, with fire. For how shall I do? For the daughter of my people, Jeremiah 9, 6, and 7, I will melt them. I will put them into my furnace, and there I will try them, and there I will make them know me, saith the Lord. When, when David was under spiritual chastisement for his sin, and had his heart under the breaking hand of God, then he said, God should make him know wisdom. Psalms 51, 6. Now he was in the mortar. Now he was in the furnace. Now he was bruised and melted. Yea, now his bones, his heart was breaking, and now his folly was departing. Now, says he, thou shalt make me to know wisdom, if I know anything of the way of God with us fools. There is nothing else will make us wise men. Yea, a thousand breakings will not make us so wise as we should be. We say, wisdom is not good, till it is bought. And he that buys it, according to the intention of that proverb, usually smarts for it. The fool is wise in his own conceit. Wherefore, there is a double difficulty attends him before he can be wise indeed. Not only his folly, but his wisdom must be removed from him. And how shall that be? But by ripping up of his heart 
by some sore conviction that may show him plainly that his wisdom is his folly, and that which will undo him. A fool loves his folly, that is, as traitor. So much is he in love with it. Now then, it must be a great thing that must make a fool forsake his folly. The foolish will not weigh nor consider, nor compare wisdom with their folly. Folly is joy to him that is destitute of wisdom. As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. Proverbs 15:21, Proverbs 26 and 11. So loath are they when driven from it to let it go, to let it depart from them. Wherefore, there must go a great deal to the making of a man a Christian. For as to that, every man is a fool, yea, the greatest fool, the most unconcerned fool, the most self-willed fool of all fools, yea, one that will not be turned from his folly, but by the breaking of his heart. David was one of these fools. Manasseh was one of these fools. Saul, otherwise called Paul, was one of these fools. And so was I. And that, the biggest of all. Footnote. However hard and even harsh these terms may appear, they are fully justified. And with all the author's great ability and renown, he has the grace of humility to acknowledge that by nature and practice he had been the biggest of fools. Editor George Offer. Third, Man, take him as he comes into the world, and he is not only a dead man and a fool, but a proud man also. Pride is one of those sins that first showeth itself to children, yea, and it grows up with them, and mixeth itself with all they do. But it lies most hid most deep in man as to his soul concerns. For the nature of sin as sin is not only to be vile, but to hide its vileness from the soul. Hence many think they do well when they sin. Jonah thought he did well to be angry with God. Jonah 4 and 9. The Pharisees thought they did well when they said, Christ had a devil, John 8:48, And Paul thought barely that he ought to do many things against or contrary to the name of Jesus, which he also did with great madness, Acts 26, 9, 10. And thus sin puffs up men with pride and a conceit of themselves, that they are a thousand times better than they are. Hence they think they are the children of God when they are the children of the devil, and that they are something as to Christianity when they neither are such nor know what it is 
that they must have to make them such. John 8, 41 through 44, Galatians 6, 3. Now, whence flows this but from pride and a self-conceit of themselves, and that their state is good for another world when they are yet in their sins and under the curse of God? Yea, and this pride is so strong and high, and yet so hid in them that all the ministers in the world cannot persuade them that this is pride, not grace, in which they are so confident. Hence they slight all reproofs, rebukes, threatenings, or admonitions that are pressed upon them to prevail with them to take heed that they be not herein deceived. Hear ye, saith the prophet, and give ear. Be not proud, for the Lord hath spoken. But if ye will not hear it, my soul shall weep in secret places for your pride. Jeremiah 13, 15-17 And what was the conclusion? Why, all the proud men stood out still and maintained their resistance of God and His holy prophet, Jeremiah 40. Three and two. Nor is there anything that will prevail with these to the saving of their souls until their hearts are broken. David, after he had defiled Bathsheba and slain her husband, yet boasted himself in his justice and holiness, and would by all means have the man put to death that had but taken the poor man's lamb, when, alas, poor soul himself was the great transgressor. But would he believe it? No, no, he stood upon the vindicating of himself to be a just doer, nor would he be made to fall until Nathan, by authority from God, did tell him that he was the man whom himself had condemned. Thou art the man, said he, at which word his conscience was awakened, his heart wounded, and so his soul made to fall under the burden of his guilt at the feet of the God of heaven for mercy. Second Samuel 12, 1-13 Ah, pride! Pride, thou art that which holds many a man in the chains of his sins. Thou art it, thou cursed self-conceit, and keepest them from believing that their state is damnable. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God, Psalms 10.4, and if there is so much in the pride of his countenance. What is there, think you, in the pride of his heart? Therefore, Job says, it is to hide pride from man. And so to save his soul from hell, that God chasteneth him 
with pain upon his bed until the multitude of his bones stick out and until his life draws nigh to the destroyer. Job 33, 17, 22. It is a hard thing to take man off his pride and make him, instead of trusting in and boasting of his goodness, wisdom, honesty, and the like, to see himself a sinner, a fool, yea, a man that is cruel as to his own immortal soul. Pride of heart has a power in it, and is therefore compared to an iron sinew and an iron chain, by which they are made stout, and with which they are held in that stoutness to oppose the Lord and drive His word from their hearts. Leviticus 26.19, Psalms 73 and 6. This was a sin of devils, and it is the sin of man, and the sin, I say, from which no man can be delivered until his heart is broken, and then his pride is spoiled. Then he will be glad to yield. If a man be proud of his strength or manhood, a broken leg will maul him. And if a man be proud of his goodness, a broken heart will maul him. Because, as has been said, a broken heart comes by the discovery and charge of sin by the power of God upon the conscience. Fourth, man take him as he comes into the world, and he is not only a dead man, a fool, and proud, but also self-willed and headstrong. Second Peter 2.10 A stubborn, ungained creature is man before his heart is broken. Hence they are so often called rebels rebellious and disobedient they will only do what they list all day long says God have I stretched out my hand to a disobedient and gainsaying people and hence again they are compared to a self-willed or headstrong horse that will in spite of his rider rush into the battle everyone says God turneth to his course as a horse rusheth into battle. Jeremiah 8, verse 6. They say with our tongue will we prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? Psalms 12, verse 4. Hence they are said to stop their ears, to pull away their shoulder, to shut their eyes and harden their hearts against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Psalms 107, verse 11. Zechariah 7, verse 10 and 12. They are fitly compared to the rebellious son who would not be ruled by his parents, or to the prodigal who would have all in his own hand and remove himself far away from father and father's house. Deuteronomy 21, 20, Luke 15, 13. Now for such creatures, nothing will do but violence. The stubborn son must be stoned till he dies, and the prodigal must be famished out of all. Nothing else 
I say will do. Their self-willed, stubborn heart will not comply with the will of God before it is broken. Deuteronomy 21, 21, Luke 15, 14 through 17. These are they that are called the stout-hearted. These are said to be far from righteousness, and so will remain until their hearts are broken. For so they must be made to know themselves. Isaiah 9, 9 through 11. Fifth, man as he comes into the world is not only a dead man, a fool, proud, and self-willed, but also a fearless creature. There is, saith the text, no fear of God before their eyes. Romans 3.18 No fear of God. There is fear of man. Fear of losing his favor, his love, his goodwill, his help, his friendship. This is seen everywhere. How do the poor fear the rich, the weak fear the strong, and those that are threatened, them that threaten? But come now to God, why none fear Him. That is, by nature, none reverence Him. They neither fear His frowns, nor seek His favor, nor inquire how they may escape His revenging hand that is lifted up against their sins and their souls because of sin. Little things they fear, the losing of them, but the soul they are not afraid to lose. They fear not me, saith the Lord, Malachi 3 and 5. How many times are some men put in mind of death by sickness upon themselves, by graves, by the death of others? How many times are they put in mind of hell by reading the word, by lashes of conscience, and by some that go roaring in despair out of this world? How many times are they put in mind of the day of judgment as one by God's binding the fallen angels over to judgment, two by the drowning of the old world, Second Peter 2, 4, 5, Jude 6 and 7. Three, by the burning of Sodom and Gomorrah with fire from heaven. Second Peter 2, 6, Jude 7. Four, by appointing a day. Acts 17, 29 through 31. Five, by appointing a judge. Acts 10, 40 through 42. Six, by reserving their crimes in records, Isaiah 30 and 8, Revelation 20, 12. Seven, by appointing and preparing of witnesses, Romans 2, 15. Eight, and by promising, yea, threatening, yea, resolving to call the whole world to his bar there to be judged for all which they have done and said, and for every secret thing, Matthew twenty-five thirty-one through thirty-three, Matthew twelve thirty-six, Ecclesiastes eleven nine, Ecclesiastes twelve fourteen, 
and yet they fear not God. Alas, they believe not these things. These things to carnal men are like Lot's preaching to his sons and daughters that were in Sodom. When he told them that God would destroy that place, he seemed unto them as one that mocked. And his words to them were as idle tales. Genesis 19.14 Fearless men are not won by words. Blows, wounds, and killings are the things that must bring them under fear. How many struggling fits had Israel with God in the wilderness? How many times did they declare that there they feared Him not? And observe, they were seldom of ever brought to fear and dread His glorious name unless He beset them round with death and the grave. Nothing, nothing but a severe hand will make the fearless fear. Hence, to speak after the manner of men, God is put upon it to go this way with sinners when He would save their souls, even bring them and lay them at the mouth and within sight of hell and everlasting damnation, and there also charge them with sin and guilt to the breaking of their hearts before they will fear His name. Sixth, man as he comes into the world is not only a dead man, a fool, proud, self-willed, and fearless, but he is a false believer concerning God. Let God report of himself never so plainly. Man by nature will not believe this report of him. No, they are become vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart is darkened. Wherefore they turn the glory of God, which is His truth, into a lie. Romans 1, 21 through 25. God says, He sees. They say, He seeth not. God saith, He knows. They say, He doth not know. God saith, None is like Himself. Yet they say he is altogether alike to them. God saith, None shall keep his door for naught. They say, It is in vain, and to no profit, to serve him. He saith he will do good. They say he will neither do good nor evil. Job twenty-two thirteen fourteen, Psalms fifty twenty-one, Job twenty-one. 14 through 15, Malachi 3:14, Zephaniah 1:12. Thus they falsely believe concerning God. Yea, as to the word of His grace and the revelation of His mercy in Christ, they stick not to say by their practice. For a wicked man speaketh with his feet. Proverbs 6:13. That. That is a stark lie, and not to be trusted to. 1 John 5 and 10. Now, what shall God do to save these men? If He hides Himself and conceals His glory, they perish. If He sends to them by His messengers and forebears, 
to come to them himself, they perish. If he comes to them and forbears to work upon them by his word, they perish. If he worketh on them, but not effectually, they perish. If he works effectually, he must break their hearts and make them as men wounded to death. Fall at his feet for mercy, or there can be no good done on them. They will not rightly believe until he fires them out of their misbelief and makes them to know by the breaking of their bones for their false faith that he is and will be what he has said of himself in his holy word. Footnote. Man must be burnt out of the stronghold in which he trusted, saved yet so as by fire baptized with the Holy Ghost, even fire. His word is as a fire. Reader, the work of regeneration and purification is a trying work. May each inquire, has this fire burnt up my wood, hay, and stubble? Editor George Offer. The heart, therefore, must be broken before the man can come to good. Seventh, man as he comes into the world is not only a dead man, a fool, proud, self-willed, fearless, and a false believer, but a great lover of sin. He is captivated, ravished, drowned in the delights of it. Hence it, the word, says they love sin, delight in lies, do take pleasure in iniquity, and in them that do it, that they sport themselves in their own deceivings, and glory in their shame. John 3.19, Psalms 62 and 4, Romans 132, 2 Peter 2.13, Philippians 3.19. This is the temper of man by nature. For sin is mixed with and has the mastery of all the powers of his soul. Hence they are said to be captives to it and to be led captive into the pleasures of it at the will of the devil. 2 Timothy 2.26 And you know it is not an easy thing to break love or to take the affections off that object on which they are so deeply set in which they are so deeply rooted as man's heart is in his sins. Alas, how many are there that contemn all the allurements of heaven and the, that trample upon all the threatenings of God and that say, Tush at all the flames of hell whenever these are propounded as motives to work them off their sinful delights. So fixed are they, so mad are they upon these beastly idols. Yea, he that shall take in hand to stop their course in this their way is as he that shall attempt to prevent the raging waves of the sea from their course when driven by the mighty wind. When men are somewhat put to it, when reason and conscience 
shall begin a little to hearken to a preacher, or a judgment that shall begin to hunt for iniquity, how many tricks, evasions, excuses, demurs, delays, and hiding holes will they make, invent, and find to hide and preserve their sweet sins with themselves and their souls in the lights of them, to their own eternal perdition. Hence, they endeavor to stifle conscience, to choke convictions, to forget God, to make themselves atheists, to contradict preachers that are plain and honest, and to heap to themselves such of them only as are like themselves that speak unto them smooth things and prophesy deceits. Yea, they say themselves to such preachers, Get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Isaiah 38-11 If they be followed still, and conscience and guilt shall like bloodhounds find them out in their secret places, and roar against them for their wicked lives, then they will flatter, cog, dissemble, and lie against their souls, promising to mend, to turn, to repent, and grow better shortly, and all to daff off convictions and molestations in their wicked ways, that they may yet pursue their lusts, their pleasures, and sinful delights in quiet and without control. Footnote. To daff or doff to do off or throw aside, used by Shakespeare, but now obsolete. Where is his son, the nimble-footed madcap Prince of Wales, and his comrades that daft the world aside and let it pass? Editor George Offer Yea, further, I have known some that have been made to roar like bears, to yell like dragons, and to howl like dogs by reason of the weight of guilt and the lashes of hell upon their conscience for their evil deeds, who have so soon as their present torments and fears were gone returned again with the dog to his vomit, and as the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Hosea 7, verse 14, 2 Peter 2, 20 through 22. Once again, some have been made taste of the good word of God, of the joy of heaven, and of the powers of the world to come, and yet could not by any one, nay, by all of these, be made to break their league forever with their lusts and sins. Hebrews 6, 4, 5, Luke 8, 13, John 5, 33 through 35. O Lord, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Wherein is he to be accounted of? He has sinned against thee. He loves his sins more than thee. He is a lover of pleasure more than he is a lover of God. But now... 
How shall this man be reclaimed from this sin? How shall he be brought, wrought, and made to be out of love with it? Doubtless it can be by no other means, by what we can see in the Word, but by the wounding, breaking, and disabling of the heart that loves it. And by that means, making it a plague and gall unto it. Sin may be made an affliction, and as gall and wormwood to them that love it. But the making of it so bitter a thing to such a man will not be done but by great and sore means. I remember we had in our town sometime since a little girl that loved to eat the heads of foul tobacco pipes, and neither rod nor good words could reclaim her and make her leave them. So her father takes advice of a doctor to wean her from them, and it was this. Take, saith he, a great many of the foulest tobacco pipe heads you can get, and boil them in milk, and make a posset of that milk, and make your daughter drink the posset drink up. He did so, and gave his girl it, and made her drink it up, the which became so irksome and nauseous to her stomach, and made her so sick that she could never abide to meddle with tobacco pipe heads any more, and so was cured of that disease. Thou lovest thy sin, and neither rod nor good words will as yet reclaim thee. Well, take heed. If thou wilt not be reclaimed, God will make thee a posset of them, which shall be so bitter to thy soul, so irksome to thy taste, so loathsome to thy mind, and so afflicting to thy heart, that it shall break it with sickness, and grief till it be loathsome to thee. I say thus, he will do if he loves thee. If not, he will suffer thee to take thy course, and will let thee go on with thy tobacco pipe heads. The children of Israel will have flesh, must have flesh. They weep, cry, and murmur, because they have not flesh. The bread of heaven, that is but light and sorry stuff in their esteem. Numbers 11, 1 through 6. Moses goes and tells God how the people despised his heavenly bread, and how they longed, lusted, and desired to be fed with flesh. Well, says God, they shall have flesh. They shall have their fill of flesh. I will feed them with it. They shall have to the full, and that ye shall not eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, neither ten days, nor twenty days, but even a whole month, until it come out at your nostrils, and it be loathsome unto you, because ye have despised the Lord. Numbers 11, 11 through 20. 
He can tell how to make that loathsome to thee, on which thou most accept thine evil heart. And he will do so, if he loves thee, else, as I said, he will not make thee sick by smiting of thee, nor punish thee for or when thou commit whoredom, but will let thee alone till the judgment day, and call thee to a reckoning for all thy sins then. But to pass this, eight, man as he comes into the world is not only a dead man, a fool, proud, self-willed, fearless, a false believer, and a lover of sin, but a wild man. He is of the wild olive tree, of that which is wild by nature. Romans 11, 17, and 24. So in another place, man by nature is compared to the ass, to a wild ass, for vain or empty man would be wise, though man be born like a wild ass's colt. Job 11:12. Isaac was a figure of Christ and of all converted men. Galatians 4:28. But Ishmael was a figure of man by nature, and the Holy Ghost. As to that, saith this of him, and he will be a wild man. Genesis 16:12. This man, I say, was a figure of all carnal men in their wildness or estrangedness from God. Hence it is said of the prodigal at his conversion that he came to himself then, implying that he was mad, wild or out of his wits before, Luke fifteen seventeen. I know there is a difference sometime betwixt one's being wild and mad, yet sometimes wildness arriveth to that degree as to give one rightly the denomination of being mad. And it is always true in spirituals, namely, that he that is wild as to God is mad, or besides himself, and so not capable before he is tamed of minding his own eternal good as he should. There are these several things that are tokens of one wild or mad, and they all meet in a carnal man. One a wild or madman gives no heed to good counsel. The frenzy of his head shuts all out, and by its force leads him away from men that are wise and sober. And thus it is with carnal men. Good counsel is to them as pearls are that are cast afore swine. It is trampled under foot of them. And the man is despised that brings it. Matthew 7, 6. The poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. Ecclesiastes 9, 16. To a wild or madman, let him alone, and he will greatly busy himself all his life to accomplish that which 
When it is completed, amounts to nothing. The work, the toil, the travel of such a one comes to nothing, save to declare that he was out of his wits that did it. David, imitating of such a one, scrabbled upon the gate of the king, as fools do with chalk. And like to this is all the work of all carnal men in the world. 1 Samuel 21, 12, 13. Hence, such a one is said to labor for the wind, or for what will amount to no more than if he filled his belly with the east wind. Ecclesiastes 5, 16, Job 15, 2. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.stillwater.com swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D, M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle is adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.